At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Journey Beyond Divorce with Karen McMahon. I'm Steve Peck, and we've been taking our listeners through a 12-step divorce recovery plan. And if you missed any of the prior episodes, you can simply go back to the podcast archive and start with show number one. Today is step four, how to stop making your circumstances worse than they already are. And Karen will be bringing on a special guest, Karen Basmeji. And now here's Karen McMahon. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Great to be here again. And today's show, uh, which we titled, This Isn't Fair, It Sucks, Uh, How to Stop Making Your Circumstances Worse Than They Already Are. And today's show, we're doing with Karen Besmeji. And Karen is a member of my coaching team. She joined us about a year ago and had been doing divorce coaching before that. Karen's also an IPEC grad, just like myself and all the other coaches on the team. And Karen was married for 25 years. And uh, the way she describes her divorce is messy and dealing with a, a difficult personality and For Karen, coaching was a lifeline for her, which led to her going into uh, the coaching program herself and then ultimately dedicating her time to working with people going through separation and divorce. Karen also has this really interesting specialty. It's called equine-assisted coaching, and she's going to explain just in a minute what that's about. And the wonderful thing about working with Karen is she's so gentle and compassionate in her approach. Uh, She supports clients to really powerful transformation. So I'd like to welcome you, Karen. Thank you so much. That was really nice. You said some nice things about me. (laughs) And why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what equine-assisted coaching is, because I think that's fascinating what you do on that front. Okay, so uh, when you partner with a horse in a coaching relationship, the horse actually becomes part of the team and is actually one of the coaches. And because the horse is a prey animal, they have a very high level of awareness. And they're constantly giving feedback to the client and also to me, who's observing, um, that we can use during a coaching session to help a client really kind of understand the places where they may be blocked and not seeing how they're getting in their own way. So it's really powerful. It's actually kind of a lot of fun for the client as well. 
but it's also very serious in nature, and uh, the horses just are so, so powerful in this work, and I love doing it with clients. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I'm going to have to come and engage in that sometime with you, Karen. I, really I think that sounds that. wonderful. And you know what? That's after listening awesome. to the description, there are a lot of similarities with what you do there um, and what you do with divorce coaching. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the nice thing about the horse is the horse is a non-judgmental reflection uh, back to the client. Right. So they're very honest and the client really has to accept what the horse is, is the feedback the horse is giving them because there, there is no disputing it. So Very cool. So let's jump right in. Um, when, when navigating divorce, there are any number of external personalities and circumstances for us to focus on uh, and to blame for our emotional pain. And I think that, you know, we talked about this in previous shows. It's, we've almost all been raised and trained to look at that external, that whatever we're feeling, that the cause of it is external. And so with each show, we're going to continue to invite and encourage our listeners to shift your attention to the internal, to what's going on with you. So our last show, which was uh, rolling out of mental ruts, we talked about uh, the perspectives that stop us, our energy blocks, including our gremlin, which was our inner critic, assumptions, interpretations, and limiting beliefs. And as we begin to begin to bring our conscious attention to what type of thought we're having, we can examine it and either hold on to it or let it go. And so today, we're going to be exploring how we unknowingly turn our pain into suffering, what our part is in increasing the pain that we experience. We're going to explore the connection between four different topics. The first is unforgiveness. The second is acceptance versus resistance of the people and situations that we're facing. The third is the focus that we choose to have, whether we're problem-oriented or solution-oriented, focusing on what you want versus what you're experiencing. And then finally, uh, whether we're reactive or responsive. And the truth of the matter is all of those topics are deeply connected. And that's what we're really going to get into today. You ready, Karen? I am. I'm am. We're going to be covering a lot of content today. So, you know, we're going to start with the, 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 the faded F word. I think that whenever I'm doing groups and I talk about forgiveness, I get sneers. And it's understandable because when we're in those whatever stage of divorce, it's, it's, and you're raw, the last thing that you want to do is forgive your ex or your soon-to-be ex. And yet forgiveness is really the first step in being able to move toward acceptance. And we're not even talking about forgiving behaviors, but even just starting with forgiving yourself, Uh, self-forgiveness and not blaming and feeling guilty is, is step one. And one of the things that I find so fascinating about forgiveness is, I know when I first started this work, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to forgive 
you know, my ex, he's, you know, he's been abusive and he's been this and he's been that. And the truth of the matter is forgiving ourselves and forgiving um, other people is always about us. It's about cutting the ties that bind us to our pain and bitterness and resentment. And so that's where we're going to start today. I like to use the word detachment too, because I think that there's a piece of it where you just have to kind of drop the connection to the other person and making it about you in order to get to that beginning piece of forgiveness as well. It's almost as if uh, it's it, forgiveness in many ways is it starts on a mental level and, and as does acceptance. So it's like it's mentally unweaving ourselves and our emotions. And so I agree with you, Karen. I think that when we can begin to detach and, and just pull back from all of those powerful emotions of hurt and pain and anger and bitterness, um, pulling back and just being able to say, you know what, and giving it space uh, opens up the possibility for stepping into acceptance. Yes, and I also think that sometimes people may think that forgiveness is kind of an event that happens, but I really feel that's more of a process, and you go in and out of forgiveness, and when you get triggered, you struggle again, but then you come back to that place again, so it's not just, an, you know, some, you're going to wake up one morning and just forgive somebody or forgive a situation or forgive yourself, I think you go in and out of it until you spend longer and longer times in forgiveness and ultimately in acceptance and, and just letting go. You know, when we were coming up with a name for the organization, the reason that journey resonated so much with me is because so much of it, forgiveness is a journey, acceptance is a journey, you know, we're so used to we're this quick fix society and we want to, we want to have like a, a one shot deal or a quick fix, hot, add hot water and stir and it doesn't work that way. So each one of these things, you are where you are. And if you're listening right now and you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to turn this show off. I have no interest <laughs> in forgiveness. I get it. And it yeah. makes sense. And so think about what you can do, because here's the bottom line. Detachment and ultimately forgiveness, starting with self-forgiveness, is the gateway to move away from feeling and being a victim and the anger and stress that comes with all that conflict energy. So in order to get away from anger, bitterness, blame, resentment, disappointment, discouragement, hopelessness, etc., etc., we need to move through the gateway of forgiveness. And if it starts with detaching and simply creating some space between you and the person that you feel has been so hurtful in your life, then then take that baby step because it's really the direction to go in order to ultimately feel lighter and freer and able to see a lot of different options, which is what we're going to get to in a minute. Yeah, I just want to kind of jump in here for one second because I, I do think that there's a level of forgiveness that sometimes we have to have for ourselves too. So sometimes it's not about the other person. It's about us beating ourselves up 
Um, you know, so that's, that's a valid point too, is detaching from our own negative stream of thinking um, so that we can forgive ourselves. And forgiveness is never about um, accepting unacceptable behavior. That's not what it's about. But it is about saying, I know that these things happened. And the key here is what was my part in them? And so my own personal example is I, I stayed in a marriage that was very abusive for a lot of years. And I used to feel like a victim, but as I did this work, I realized, you know what? I was, I was an adult. I made choices. I made the best choices available to me at that time. And so I stayed. I could have left, but I stayed. And so part of stepping into forgiveness is also saying, I take responsibility for the choices that I made. Another choice of mine, an unconscious one, was to not set any boundaries. So I didn't set boundaries and I got kind of walked on. And so each step of the way, when we begin to see what our part is, we can begin to pull away from feeling like a victim and beginning to say, okay, I had a part in this. I choose not to do this anymore. I choose not to be with this person anymore, but I do see my part in it. Um, And that's really step one. And what it brings us to is the next piece, which is acceptance versus resistance. And, you know, I think almost everybody starts in this place of resistance, whether you're the one leaving and I can't stand this and I don't want this anymore, or if you feel like you've been like completely um, taken by surprise and I, I can't believe this is happening. This isn't happening to me. And, and these are the kinds of words that are going through your head. Like she shouldn't act that way. He can't do that to me. Those are all thoughts of resistance because no matter how much you may think that, whatever is happening is still happening and you're in resistance of it. And with that resistance comes a tremendous amount of stress, additional stress and tension on you and the situation. Right. Yeah, so the purpose of getting out of resistance is to help yourself to you know, get out of that stress uh, frame of mind more quickly so you can move into more productive thinking and see some options about, you know, what the situation is or what's going on or, or about the other. Let um, me let me but, jump in and give like an example. I work with so many clients who, um, it's so interesting, there's a sense that my spouse has been doing something. I've been married for 20 years and my she has been doing this thing all this time maybe she's spending a lot of money or maybe she always shows up late and then and then tomorrow it happens and the first thought is I can't believe you did that and when we stop and look at that it's so interesting because you know that the person has been doing exactly that. And if you're listening, you know what that thing is for your spouse. They've been doing it for years. And yet you're, the resistance is, I can't believe you woke up and you did it again today. And so we invite you to start to notice your resistance because let's say your spouse is always late and instead of being shocked 
the next time that they're late or even angered the next time that they're late? What if you expect it? What if you say, I know my spouse um, spends too much, uh, shows up late, um, uh, I can't get a word in edgewise, whatever it is. I know that that's how my spouse shows up. And what I do with my clients is I get them saying a new mantra. And so my clients will start saying to me, oh, yes, you know, my, my, my soon-to-be ex did this. And you know what I thought, Karen? I thought, well, Jim's just being Jim. That's great. Or Mary's just being Mary. And what it does is it takes all of the resistance away. It's like, of course they showed up that way. I may not like the behavior. It may be distasteful for me, but the minute I accept it, then I've opened the possibility of making different choices around it. You see, if I don't accept it, and let's stay with the late one. If I don't accept that you're late, then I I get angry each time and I'm in shock and resistance. If I do accept that you're late, and let's say you're picking up the kids, I can have a plan B. I can say, if she shows up on time, great. If she doesn't, the next door neighbor is going to come and hang out with the kids so that I can not get um, have my plans upset. And so once we step into acceptance, we also start to say, okay, well, now that I accept that this behavior or this situation is what it is, what are my choices to navigate around it so that I don't get upset, so that my plans don't get um, messed up? Does that make sense? It does. And it totally brings you into a place of power because you're actually focused on what it is you aspect of the situation you actually have some control over instead of kind of beating your head against the wall and saying, why is this happening to me? Um, it also depersonalizes it. And, you know, so that then that piece of it too helps you to be able to kind of get out of your head a little bit and really focus on what your options are given what you know about the situation or the person. And we always want to work with our clients to feel more and more empowered because divorce has so many moving pieces and there's a lot of things that are outside of our control and it can be discouraging, it can be frustrating, it can be deeply disappointing, but the one thing that's always within our control is the way we look at the world the way we behave, the choices we make, we have a tremendous amount of control in that area. And so the more our clients begin to step into that focus, uh, they start shifting. They start, and, and as they start feeling better, they start moving through the difficulty. Because the other thing about resistance is it's like digging your heels in and getting stuck in the very situation that you don't want to be in. Whereas when you accept, it's almost like gliding through it more smoothly and more rapidly because you're not, you're not locked in. You're not heels dug in. I completely agree. I have a great quote I'm going to throw in right here because I think it kind of speaks to that situation. Um, so it's from Confucius. And uh, it says, the green reed which bends in the wind is stronger than the mighty oak which breaks in the storm. And what I love about that is it really just kind of 
it's right there. It's when you become too fixed and, you know, too bogged down into who's right, who's wrong, and you become rigid and unyielding, you're just causing yourself unnecessary stress. But if you can kind of be like the reed and, and sway and bounce back with the wind, you're going to be more flexible and more resilient, and you're going to move through whatever process or situation it is you're going through much quicker. I love that quote. I think that's great. And we'll be back with more of the show after this. We're there right when you need us the most. And we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself, or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline Call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. You know, we talked about detachment, and I think part of detachment is also surrendering, Mm -hmm. letting go of the things we don't have control over. So certainly changing the person that you're divorcing is something that you have zero control over. And I I see it all the time over and over again where people even post-divorce think that, you know, okay, well, now I'm co-parenting with you. Now you should change. And so when we we get to that place where it's like, okay, you're showing up however you are. If if you do work on yourself, that's great. That's wonderful. It'll be good for the kids. It's not my job. It's not my concern. And so when I can detach from what that means, whatever your behavior is, when I can surrender that, um, when I can be more flexible and not feel like I have to control everything, because the bottom line is, especially in post-divorce with co-parenting, you don't get to control what the other parent is doing in their house. If you have a good relationship, it's awesome and it's absolutely what we recommend. But for people who have really difficult relationships or are co-parenting with difficult exes, um, you have to let go of that control. There's nothing you can do about it. And so the surrender and the being flexible is vital to holding on to your peace. And the more peaceful you are, the calmer and clearer you're going to be in all of your activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm going to raise my hand and confess that when I am, and my ex split, I thought he was somehow going to behave differently after the divorce than when we were married. And it it did take me a little bit of time to surrender and accept that this person is who he is. And I've got to navigate now this new co-parenting relationship post-divorce with the same person that I was married to. Exactly. And I think so many people are in exactly that situation where there's this expectation that they're going to change and, and, and really 
All we can do is change ourselves. And when we change, everything around us does change. And I even find that, you know, as I, as I work with my clients and they become calmer and less reactive, uh, the contention in their house might not go away altogether, but it has an impact on everybody. Um, and so, and so we, we keep the focus on ourselves and, you know, just moving on to the next topic, right? So we talked about forgiveness. We talked about acceptance versus resistance. And now this next section, which is very connected, is what is your orientation? And I really want the, our listeners to think about this. Do you focus on the problem? And God knows there's a lot of them going through divorce. Or do you focus on the solution? And what typically happens is if you're in resistance, you're problem-focused. And if you're problem-oriented, you're not going to see very many choices because you're totally looking at the problem. When It's, it's hard to be solution-oriented if we don't believe we have any choices. And if we're in resistance, if we're feeling like a victim, if we're deeply angry, and the only solution we see is changing our situation or him or her, something outside of ourselves, then we're going to stay stuck in the problem. And so again, the, the answer, the golden nugget is to always be looking inside. You know, they say in 12-step programs, happiness is an inside job. All of the work that we need to do to enjoy our life more, to navigate divorce more easily is is focusing on the inside solution oriented being solution oriented invites us to consider what we want even if we don't know how to get there in fact one of the first questions i always ask my clients like new people who come to me is i ask them you know if i could grant you three wishes what would they be and what's so fascinating is 90 percent of the people start telling me what they don't want that's right. It happens to me too. And when that, when you have that kind of focus on what you don't want, you're not really focused on what you do want. And because of that kind of negative vibe that you have going and focusing on the negative aspect, focusing on the problem, you're actually kind of keeping yourself mired in it and also pulling that kind of vibrational energy towards you it's it's not very life affirming and it you know the universe kind of responds in kind so you find you might find yourself seeing more problems that weren't even there before and there's a saying that i love which is what we appreciate appreciates and so if your focus is on the problem and your focus is on the negative that's what you're growing. Mm-hmm. It's not what you want to be growing, but it's where all of your attention is. It's kind of like the grass that you're watering, and that's what's getting greener, and it's not what you want. And so when you become solution-oriented and your focus is on, well, what am I for? What do I really want? And so I want to, I want to suggest an exercise. If you're listening in, when you get off the call, I want you to write a list of everything you want. If there were no obstacles, no negative ramifications, what would you want? 
you might say, I want to spend more time with my kids. I want financial security. I want to experience more joy in my home. Think about what your list is and write it until you've run out of things to write because those are the solutions and that's the first step in becoming solution-oriented. You do that, you've just taken your first step. When our attention's on the problem, we move toward the problem. This will bring your attention toward the solution. Yeah, and I think when you put it down on paper like that, uh, what you start to see when you review that is kind of gets your juices flowing to, okay, how can I get that? And, you know, how can I make that happen instead of how can I change somebody else or change my life situation tomorrow to make that happen uh, when then that's not realistic. So when you have this in front of you, I think it's a really good way for you to start to get creative about how I can obtain these things that I want in my life. And there's a great analogy uh, that that um, my business partner, Lisa, had shared with, with me, and it's about race car drivers. And she, ex- this one. she explained that when, when they're racing around, right around the, that huge, uh, doing laps around uh, the track, and all of a sudden there's an accident, right? And so some car slams into the wall and explodes. They're trained to look at the space, to, to not look at the accident, to look at the space between where the accident ends and, and where the grass or the other wall is and completely focus all of their attention on that safe space because if they focus on the accident, they're going to naturally drive into it. And if we were to use that as an analogy for for our lives as we're going through something as turbulent as divorce, instead of focusing on that problem, right, because you drive right toward it, you're looking for the open space that's going to get you to bypass it and move right into the solution. And so so I really want to encourage you to think about that with the, ne- with the very next problem that, that comes up that you're facing. I love that. I love that because when you think about it and you visualize that, um, you know, if you take your eyes off the off of that space for one moment when you're in that situation, you're in a pretty dangerous place. So, you know, if we can do that ourselves and hold on to that analogy, uh, it's 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 like a it's like an arrow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it it directs us. And here's the thing. Once we know what we desire, we can begin to consider our options. The minute you hear yourself saying, I have no options, you're officially back in the problem. We always have options. Even if all the options stink, this is the start of opening possibility. So you may not, I'm not saying you have great options, and especially there are certain parts where, you know, it's, it's the lesser of the evils. Stepping into the fact that I have a choice to make, there are choices to make, begins to open possibility. And the more you do that, the more choices you're going to see and the more possibility that you're going to be able to manifest in your life. Mm-hmm. Becoming solution-oriented instead of problem-focused is about saying, 
what can I do to improve my situation and exploring all the options? How can I shift my focus more quickly, creating space? Responding, not reacting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Making the solution your North Star. And that's really, you know, that statement I'd like just to, for you to hold on to. If every day, if with each situation that you face, if making the solution were your North Star, how would that change your experience? And, and here's the statement um, to consider. What am I for? Versus what I'm about. And so what I mean by that is what I'm about is I'm about the situation that I'm, I'm neck deep in. And that's my story. That's my problem. But what am I for? So with every argument that you're about to have with your soon-to-be ex, with every situation where you're talking to your attorney and you're frustrated at what is, what am I for? What's the solution that I'm, I'm heading toward? Will you get exactly what you want? Not all of the time, but you will move faster to it and manifest more of it if that's what your focus is. And I think sometimes we can get so mired down that it's hard for us to see that we have a choice. But if you shift into that thinking of what am I for and what's going on for me or what am I about, you can see that there is a space where you can just make one tiny adjustment and then readjust again. It's almost like sailing a ship, you know, you're, sh you're sailing and you've, you're constantly readjusting the sails, but if you don't have your sail up, you're not going anywhere. And the more you do it, it becomes just little tweaks because mm -hmm. the idea is to become more and more conscious of your perspective, what you're focusing on and what you're accepting versus resisting. And then I'd, I'd love to jump into the next part, which is ultimately what happens depending on those first choices we make. And that is whether you're reacting or responding. And so, again, if we start at the beginning, if we're in unforgiveness, we're going to be reactive. And if we're reactive, we're going to be problem-oriented. And if we're problem-oriented, we're going to be um, I mean, I said that wrong. If, if, uh, if we're in unforgiveness, we're going to be resistant. And if we're resistant, we're going to be problem-oriented. And when we're problem-oriented, we react. And what we want to do is help you to step away from that knee-jerk, angry, hurtful reaction and to something that's a, 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 a slower calmer response that has some space and that's thought out. And in order to be responsive, we need to be stepping into forgiveness. We need to be accepting people and circumstances for what they are and to keep our focus on the solution. Yeah. And the more you practice, the more aware you get of yourself when you start to get hooked into that negative stream of, of thought um, you'll get better and better at it and you'll catch yourself sooner and shift out of it much quicker. And, you know, just to give an example, because there's so much, um, there's so much button pushing that goes on 
Right. And of course, our spouse is usually uh, one of the people who knows our buttons oh so well. And I do these workshops on button pushing where I encourage people to see the person pushing the button as actually doing you a favor. And I know you're probably rolling your eyes in your head right now, but, but hear me out. When somebody pushes my button and I react, that means that there's something in what they said that requires my attention so that I can heal something in myself. It may be an insecurity. It may be an unforgiveness. It may be a judgment I have against something. And so instead of externally blaming the person who just angered you because they pushed your button, even if that was their purpose, maybe their goal was to see if they could get you ticked off. Mm -hmm. When you take the focus off of them and on to, well, what is it about that statement that has me going from zero to a hundred? Like, do I believe a little bit about that? I remember once my ex had told me, um, what a bad parent I was. I was the one out, I was working from like, you know, seven in the morning until six at night. And, and I was a bad parent. And even though I knew I was a really good parent, I had this guilt about not making every, you know, elementary school recital and being there for the Halloween march and things that other moms were at. And when I began to explore why I was getting so angry at him when I knew I was a good mom, it was because there was this little piece of me that was judging myself. And once I was able to heal that, then he could make that same statement over and over again and it had no impact. I could say, yeah, sure, Don, let's go with that. Like it didn't matter anymore. And so all of a sudden I wasn't reacting. I was able to respond, you know, and not, not engage in an argument. You know, you're talking about button pushing Karen and it's, it's making me think about uh, a horse trainer that I studied under. I'd studied natural horsemanship for many years and part of being good with horses is to be able to take the emotion out of a situation that's not going the way you want as you're training the horse. So he had this saying, don't be frustrated, be fascinated. And it kind of speaks to what you were saying about when the buttons get pushed, if we shift our focus into, okay, like, what is this about for me? Um, it can actually be an opportunity for you to change something uh, for yourself. So don't I love be that. frustrated, be fascinated. <laughs> I like that. And and it really, it, it's just, it all, it's all connected because at the end of the day, um, if you're if you're listening and you're in this chapter of your life where you're going through this divorce transition, there's probably a lot of reacting going on. And sometimes, because I've had some clients who say, "Well, you know, I don't react. I'm not. I'm, I'm conflict uh, avoidant. I don't react." But they do because the reaction is all internal. So instead of maybe yelling and screaming, you're dealing with with anxiety or frustration or guilt. And so there's still a reaction going on. And so really take a moment to think about what is it that I'm reacting to? And the button pushing example was one of 
I could look at the problem, which is that my ex wants to tick me off and so he's pushing my button, or I could look at the solution, which is if I figure out what my tender underbelly is and I heal myself and I focus on my stuff all of the time, I end up being healthier, emotionally more mature. I end up being calmer and clearer and more confident. So everything that's going on on my side of the table is really good. And if you can do that, this is, and this is the journey beyond divorce overall mission and belief system is divorce sucks. It's challenging, but it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity for the most incredible personal growth if you choose to focus your attention that way. And we really invite you to do that because at the end of the day, you're going to be divorced. And for many of us, you'll be looking for new relationships, whether they're just friendships or intimate relationships. And you will have grown and you will attract healthier people into your life. In fact, I've got clients who say, I'm not only attracting healthier dates into my life, but I'm attracting, you know, I'm working for a healthier boss now. One of the things that was so amazing is I've had numerous clients who felt like their boss and their spouse had the same behaviors, but when they changed, they began to attract people with healthier behaviors into all different aspects of their lives. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So, you know, my question is, which do you engage in more often and which do you desire to engage in if you're listening? Is it the uh, acceptance or resistance? Is it the problem orientation or the solution orientation? Is it the reaction or the responsiveness? And so at the end of every show, we share with you a practice and a tool uh, to take away because that's what we do as coaches. We give you an action plan. So the practice for today is to begin the process of forgiveness by by detaching from the hot emotions that you feel, by accepting who your ex is and letting go of him and her being wrong or bad and rather recognizing that he or she is not what you want right now in your life. So it's beginning the process of forgiveness by detaching from your emotions, accepting who your ex is being, and letting go of the judgment of good, bad, right, wrong. And then along with that, we have two tools. And I'll tell you the first one, and then Karen, you have a really great tool I'd like you to jump in and share. Sure. The first one is, am I problem-oriented or solution-oriented? Determine what you want and what you don't want. And the tool is to reframe. Although you want to focus on what you want, sometimes it's easier to understand by first clarifying what you don't want and then reframing the sentence to think about what you do want. So like what we said earlier, you might just come up with a list of all of your don'ts. If that's easier, start there and then reframe them from what you don't want to what you do want. And and keep that list because that list is your solution-oriented list and it's your North Star. Right, and that's exactly um, 
the tool that I'm going to give you today is an ideal desire statement. And uh, the way I structure it is I will just take out a big piece of paper, a line down the middle. On the left side, I write my don't wants, frame it as a sentence. And next to it, to the right, I'm going to reframe it into what is it that I want. So you're going to change as an example I don't want to argue in front of my children when my ex comes to pick them up for visitation. You're going to reframe that to I want exchanges with my ex to be peaceful and without conflict when she comes to pick them up for visitation. So when you do that, you're kind of it's, you're planting a seed so that the next exchange you have with the ex or whatever the situation is, you're focusing on what you want to happen and not what you don't want to happen. And that's going to automatically put you in a different frame of mind. I think that's great. I think the exercise is really powerful and our clients find that when they do these exercises, it really helps them to shift. A few statements uh, before we wrap up. One is what we resist persists. So if you find yourself in resistance, you're going to stay in that very thing. Another is what we appreciate appreciates. What you focus your attention on grows, so choose wisely. And what am I for? Focus on what you're for and you'll stay solution-oriented. I have one more. Go for it. Don't be frustrated, be fascinated. I love that. It really does take the heat off. And you'll actually kind of find yourself smiling when it pops into your head, believe it or not, through your frustration. All right. So so you girls have added yours. I'll add mine. It takes guts to leave the ruts. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that one, too. And it does take guts for sure. So we have a couple of different resources we'd like to just mention at the end here. One is we've got over 200 articles on the website. Uh, Given today's show, if you go to the search bar and you search forgiveness or search acceptance or reaction, you will end up with a handful of articles that will uh, back up and support and elaborate on the topics that we covered today. And the other one is that we have a very active closed Facebook page. It's Journey Beyond Divorce Community. Uh, Ask to be invited in and we'll invite you in. And there are hundreds of people who are going through divorce who are supporting and encouraging each other, some who are further along and being encouraging others who are in the early stages and asking for guidance. And so it's a wonderful group to become a part of. We also have an ebook, uh, Stepping Out of Chaos, Transforming Pain to Possibility, that you could buy on Amazon, and it gives you a three-step process for really moving through your pain to possibility. And our next show, which is step five, is on grieving and the vital importance of grieving well in order to re-engage in your world um, fully present so we hope that you'll join us for that show as well and once again the website is journeybeyonddivorce.com and as karen mentioned all the social media icons are at the top of the page so you can join their community i've heard from listeners uh who have hired you karen and your teammates over there at journey beyond divorce and it's just like rave reviews how you're helping people i really recommend 
that any listener going through this situation not go it alone. I don't think you should even rely on family members or close friends. You need that third party to help you see things straight. So I really believe in what Karen and Journey Beyond Divorce do. And I thank you, Karen, for doing these shows. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you all again next week right here on Journey Beyond Divorce on Divorce Horse Radio. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.